Amen. Now, if you have your phone, if you have your tablet, or if you have your Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we've been in a series uh, in the book of Philippians, and, and uh, this week is our eighth week. We talked about uh, the letter of uh, Philippians as the epistle of joy, and then we talked about uh, having joy no matter what you go through. And we talked about the recipe for joy. And we talked about the joy of salvation and the joy of unity and, and, the, and the joy of living in the Spirit and, and the joy of God-inspired goals. And so today we're going to talk about, we're going to stay in that theme, and today we're going to talk about the joy of the peace of God. The joy of the peace of God. And I want you to read with me as we read some verses of Scripture By the way, if you want the notes, they are by the tithe boxes. You're welcome to pick up a copy. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Let's read together. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now, I appeal to Yoda and and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they've worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Now, I believe the message the Apostle Paul is trying to convey here in chapter 4 of Philippians is, is very clear. He's trying to convey to the Philippian church this message. Peace is a secret into the joyful life. You know, people living today very depressed, very discouraged. People are living uh, intoxicated. Uh, they're living... Uh, they're living with all sorts of exterior forms of trying to mask and, and camouflage and cover up all the problems that they're having internally. But yet, every day, whenever they, every morning, whenever they wake up, their problems continue to persist. And they have the absence of joy in their life. They're just not happy. And so we've been taking our time to talk about how is it that you can live a joyful life? Because Philippians 4 says this, that we should rejoice or be joyful always. Now, the harsh reality is if you don't have peace right now, you can. Amen. Have you ever gone through troubling circumstances and situations, problems so great in your life that all of a sudden you lose the peace in your life? You ever been there? How many of you been there already this morning? You've been there. So listen, the good news is you don't have to live without peace. You can have peace in your life. And the Bible tells us that peace is a gift for anyone and everyone who is interested. Amen. Listen what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled, nor let them be fearful. 
Now, peace is a gift that God offers to anybody and everybody that is interested in it. He said, peace, I leave with you. So the good news is if your life is filled with turmoil, your life is filled with trouble, and you've lost peace in your life, the good news is that you can have at this moment God's gift of peace in your life. How many of you believe that this morning? God's peace, listen, God's peace is supernatural. It's not natural. It's supernatural. Listen what Paul said in Philippians 4, 7. He said, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So God's peace exceeds anything that we can understand. It exceeds anything that we can comprehend. Have you ever heard somebody say, man, you know, I don't understand why I have peace right now. I mean, I've heard this countless times as a pastor walking with people, dealing with people as they go through very difficult times. And they say, you know, and I'm looking at their circumstance and it's such a dire, such a critical, such a, a very heavy situation. But yet somehow they have peace in their life. You remember the disciples whenever they were with Jesus in this boat and they crossed in the sea and all of a sudden they got into this terrible storm and they thought they were going to lose their life. They thought they were going to drown. In fact, Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat and they woke him up and said, hey, don't you care? We're about to perish here. And the Bible says that Jesus stood up in the boat and he looked at the winds and the waves and he said, hush. He rebuked the winds and the waves and he said, hush, be still. And all of a sudden, the winds and the waves die down. That's powerful. You know what that tells me? That Jesus can speak to your storm. Jesus can speak to your situation, regardless of how dire, though it may seem that you're about to sink in life. Jesus can speak into your storm and say, hush, be still. And all of a sudden, the winds and the waves have to die down. Amen. Listen, God's peace is different than the world's peace. You know, Jesus said, listen what Jesus said, John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. There's two kinds of peace. There's two sources of peace. There's the world's peace, and then there's God's peace. The world's source of peace comes in the form of sometimes alcohol and drugs. Alcohol and drugs. And more and more people, or relying on drugs and alcohol to bring peace into their life. I've been there. How about you? And you know, the thing about it is, it's a temporary fix. And then there's finance and material possessions. People are killing themselves trying to make more money. They're doing everything to get a little bit more material possession in life. They're running over people. They're, they're just, they're turning, they're, they're cutting people down. They're, they're climbing over people, whatever they do, because they think maybe just a little bit more, they're going to have peace in their life. How many of you know that's not the truth? And then there's pleasure and entertainment. Some people think, well, if I could just get to Hawaii, I would have peace in my life. Man, listen, a week on the beaches in Florida. Are you kidding me? In the mountains, that would fill my life with peace. And then they come back from the mountains. They come back from Hawaii. And they still have the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the turmoil in their hearts and their lives. Why? Because the world's peace is a counterfeit. It's a false sense of peace. And it doesn't last. And then there's God's source of peace. The Bible says that 
peace, God's peace, comes from God's Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Peace comes from the Spirit of God. You can't grab it. You can't go buy it. You can't see it. It comes from the Spirit of God. The only way that you can tap into God's peace is you got to believe in it. you got to open your heart in faith. Listen, peace is everywhere. God's peace is across the world. Those who have faith, that put their faith and trust in Jesus, can tap in to his source of peace. Amen? Now listen, there's no limit to God's peace. There's no limit. Sometimes you need a lot of peace because you're under a major storm. Listen what Isaiah 9. Isaiah was a prophet that prophesied Jesus coming. It was a prophetic word that he said for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Listen, the Prince of Peace has no limit to his peace. His peace is unlimited. Amen? Listen what Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. See, God's peace can totally take over your life, can totally control your mind and your heart. It can just take over you. It can just come over you and just totally, totally annihilate all fear, worry, anxiety, anything that's troubling your heart and your mind. The peace of God can come in like a storm. It can come in like a a, 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 a band, an army, and just totally just change and transform your life. Amen. And the good news you don't have to spend a dollar for it. It's free. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? If you're with me, say amen. Now listen to this verse. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace. Listen. At all times and in every situation. At all times. See, some people have peace temporarily. They have peace for a little while until they get the bad report. Until they get that piece of mail. Until one of their relationships goes. And then they lose it. But Jesus offers peace at all times. And listen. In every situation. That's different than what the world has to offer, saints. That's different than what anybody can offer you on this globe. Everything the world has to offer is just weak in comparison to what God has for you. People, listen. People are going everywhere. All they're, they're wasting their precious money. They're wasting their precious life in the pursuit of peace. And yet it evades them. And Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Now listen, we can experience the peace of God at all times and in every situation. So let's talk about how. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul gives us four tips to living a peaceful life. Now I want to go through them quickly and then we're going to have prayer. Number one, tip number one to living a peaceful life is determined to live in peace with other people. And I want you to notice that you can't enjoy a life of peace while continuing to fight with your neighbors. No, that wasn't a good enough amen right there. Come on, I know y'all believe me. I know y'all believe this. 
Hey, listen, you cannot enjoy a life of peace as long as you're quarreling with your family and your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors. Amen. Forget it. You got to learn to get along if you want to enjoy the peace of God. Now, listen, Paul, he brings this out. He brings this out in Philippians 4 and verse 2. Listen, he says, now I appeal to Yoda and Seneca, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Paul, in this letter, he's writing a letter to the church of Philippi. And he stops and he mentions these two ladies' names. Apparently, these two ladies were quarreling. They were fighting. And you know what the thing is? They were in church. In fact, Paul said, you know what? These ladies were partners in me with spreading the gospel. So these weren't bad people. These weren't evil people. But yet somehow, somebody said something. Somebody didn't do something and sister got mad at sister and they were at odds at each other. Amen. And Paul said, hey, hey, come on, girls. Come on, ladies. Y'all settle this agreement. He encourages them to settle their fight. He encourages them to become peaceful with each other. Why? Because Paul realized It doesn't matter that you're in church. It doesn't matter that you know the Lord. If you don't get along with people, you're not going to have peace in your life. There is no peace if you don't get along with people. So I encourage you today. Make it right with people if you want to enjoy the peace of God. Listen, the more you get along with people, the more you're going to enjoy the peace of God. Listen what Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Listen, there's some people, they can't get along with themselves, much less the rest of the world. And so some people, you can jump hoops, you can jump through hoops, you can do cordwheels, you can try to spit beans across the room, trying to make them happy. Ain't nothing going to make them happy. So that's why it says, as much as it is in your power, As much as you can, you be at peace with everyone. Now, listen, this is the key, I believe, to living at peace with others. The key to living at peace with others is forgiveness. Forgiveness. To live at peace with others, you got to learn how to extend mercy. You got to learn how to extend mercy and forgiveness towards those that wrong you. Amen. Jesus said, Mark 11, 25, and when you stand praying, In other words, when you come to Family Life Church and the worship band begins to sing hallelujah. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven will forgive you your sins. You got that? He said, listen, don't come to church and worship God. And somebody across the way you hadn't talked to because you're bitter at him. He said, listen, make it right. And then. You got to tap in to a peace. Remember Matthew 18, there was a guy, a master, and there was a servant. And the servant owed the master, let's say, a million dollars. And so the master said, you know what? I want my money. And he went to the servant and he said, hey, 
you owe me a million dollars, pay up. And the servant said, oh, master, I don't have a million dollars. But if you'll be merciful, if you'll extend mercy and you'll be patient with me, I'll pay you back. But just give me some time. And so the master said, you know what? I am going to be merciful to you. I'll give you some time. Oh, so the servant was grateful. Oh, praise God. I got some time. I could go make some money and pay my debt. Then he walks away from the master and he sees a fellow servant and he said, hey, uh, man, I remember you owe me a hundred dollars. Pay me up. And he said, oh, man, I don't have a hundred dollars right now. But if you'll give me some time, I'll pay you. And so the servant said, I'm not giving you any time. I'm throwing you in jail until you pay me. So the servant didn't extend mercy to his fellow servant. and He throws him in jail. Somebody standing by saw it all unfold. He goes back to the master and he said, hey, master, you know that guy that you forgave the million dollars? Yeah. He said, you know, that guy had the nerve to go hold a hundred dollar debt against his fellow servant. And he said, bring him to me. And he threw him into prison. And he said, you're going to stay here until you pay me every last penny you owe me. Now, Jesus tells that story to make the point. And he says this, he said, listen, whenever you hold animosity towards somebody, you get thrown into prison. And I think a lot of times it's the mental prison. And you get tormented and you lose the peace of God in your life. Because remember, the peace of God will guard your, your mind. And it will guard your heart. So see, this is no small thing. Y'all agree with that? This is no small thing. This is really important. So you got to learn to live at peace with other people. Now, Jesus said, you need to forgive each other because you owed me a million dollars. You owed me a big debt. See, you've broken my law many times and I've chosen to forgive you. Now, what I expect of you now is to go forgive others just like I forgave you. Now, that kind of puts the cookies on the shelf right there. Amen. You know, I was this week, I got a call from somebody that's in the church right now. And uh, I asked him to share this story. But just very discouraged, has a has an illness that has no cure on dialysis three times a week, just really struggling physically. And so I went to pray with him and just in the conversation of prayer, we just started talking about different things and how, how the illness came on and all this. In the, to, in the topic of conversation, it came up that she was unjustly treated. Somebody got paid under the table in the legal system that caused her to not be properly cared for. And it caused her to be angry, as you can imagine. And not only that, she said, you know, she said, I used to be, you know, just lost, running on, you know, running crazy, drugs, all that stuff. But the whole time me and my boyfriend were doing that, I was the one praying and asking Jesus to forgive me. And he wasn't even talking to Jesus. And now we're both saved and serving God. His life seems like it's it's blessed to no means and mine suffering. And I don't, I don't think that's right. And then, said, I'm mad at, I'm mad at that no good. 
God's blessing him more than me. And he's the one that I've been praying for. They'd go do a drug deal and she was praying. He said, what are you doing? She's saying, I'm praying that we don't get caught. He's like, man, don't bring Jesus into this. She's like, uh, duh, he knows. Right? But you know what? I just begin to ex- explain this story I just explained to you. And you know, an amazing thing we got to see before our eyes, just a veil of discouragement and oppression lift off of her and joy come into her life. This is this week. See, what I'm telling you is that it's no small thing. You can't hold animosity and bitterness towards somebody and experience the peace of God. In fact, don't give them that much power over your life. Release them. Amen. And listen, somebody said whenever you forgive somebody, somebody's let go out of prison and the person is you. Amen. Come on, don't stay in prison. Fly away in the love of God. Amen. Come on. How many of you agree? That's the right thing to do. All right. Tip number two to living a life of peace. Overcome the enemy of worry. Notice what Paul says in verse six. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Paul says, listen, he says, don't worry about anything. But then he says, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about Everything. So to enjoy a life of peace, you have to learn to defeat worry by praying about everything. See, the key to winning over worry. Now, listen, I know everybody in this room at some time or another, you deal with worry. I mean, if you're a child in school and you're taking a test, you worry. Will I pass that test, right? It starts early. I mean, you can't live life without dealing with anxiety, with worry, with fear and all this stuff. Well, God knows that you're going to face this stuff, but he's given a solution to it so that we don't get we don't get bound up and paralyzed and overwhelmed with worry. And his solution is prayer to live at peace with to live at peace with God. You got to learn to pray about your problems. Let me ask you a question. How many of you got problems right now? How many of you got burdens right now? How many of you got worries right now? He said, don't worry about anything. And so listen, there is nothing too great for God's power, regardless of what you're dealing with. How many of you know God can give you the grace to get through whatever you're going through? Amen. But listen, but there's nothing too small for God's care. You know, listen, if you you ask the question, how do you know if God cares about what I'm dealing with? Listen, here's, here's the, the test. If it's bothering you, it bothers God. If it's, if it's burdening you, it's burdening God. God cares about you. And whenever, listen, in our humanity, when we see somebody suffering, we want to come to their side and help them. And God is a, a million times more compassionate and merciful than us. And when his children are burdened, He wants to come alongside of you and help lift that burden off of you. How does that help come? It comes through prayer. Amen? See, there's three types of people in the world concerning prayer. Those who pray about nothing. 
I'm going to do it on my own. They, you, they go in their own strength, their own ability. They don't ask God for help. But yet, they got to go down to the local tavern to help them with their anxiety. They got to go get a pill bottle to deal with the problems of life. And some of the reason is because they've never turned to the one that can really help them with their problems. And then there's people who pray about some things. Like, just the major things. You know, how many times have you said, or I've said, or we've heard said, the only thing we can do now is pray. In other words, we've reduced all of our human effort to try to make, try to help this situation out, and all we got left now is God. Come on, how many of you have been there? Don't lie in church. How many of you have been there? Amen. And then there's those who pray about everything. They pray about everything. They've learned to depend on God for his grace. They've learned that if they're going to make it, they need God's help. They learn that if their financial needs, their emotional needs are going to be met, it's because God in heaven is going to give them the grace they need to get through it. Amen? Some people pray about nothing. Some people pray about something. Some people pray about everything. Amen? Come on, what about you? What about you? Have you prayed about your problems? It's amazing. Faith-filled people will carry burdens, carry problems for the longest time until they get so exhausted they can't put one foot in the front of the other. And when they fall fat, flat on their face on the ground, they finally look up and they say, God, help me. So I'm saying, what if we did this differently, brothers and sisters? What if we every day hit our knees and put our face to the ground and say, God, I don't know what I'm going to deal with today. I don't know what my problems are that I'm going to face. But God, I need your help today. Imagine the burdens that would be lifted off of our life. Jesus said, come to me if you're weary and you're burdened. And I'm going to give you rest for your soul. He invites us to come. First Peter says, cast your cares, throw your problems on the Lord. He cares for you. Just give them to God and you just enjoy the journey. Tip number three to living a life of peace is winning the battle of the mind. Listen what he says in verse eight. Finally, brethren. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have heard, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So he's saying, listen, living a peaceful life is directly related to thinking the right thoughts. How does worry, fear, stress come into our life? It comes in through the door of our mind. See, first we got to think about what might happen before we can start worrying. See, it all begins with the thoughts in our mind. We have a thought. What if this doesn't work out? And as we have those negative thoughts, all of a sudden, our life begins to be filled with negative emotion. So if you allow your mind to think on negative, fearful, bitter thoughts, you are going to live a life of fear and anxiety and bitterness and unforgiveness. 
Do you notice that how many times you replay an incident when somebody says something to you that you didn't like? You go around the corner and you play that over again. How, how did that go? And I said, and they said, and she said, let me rewind that again. And I said, and I, wait, let me, let me rewind that again. And she said, and I said, and all the time your blood pressure is getting higher and you're getting madder and madder and you about to just go ballistic. Now imagine instead of pressing the rewind button, you press the erase button. They could say what they want and you just smile and say, the peace of God be with you and you be on your way. Amen. Come on. Are y'all hearing me this morning? The peace of God. Yes. Amen. So listen, the key to winning the battle of the mind is thinking the right thoughts. So you got to learn to take your negative thoughts captive. You got to think about what you're thinking about. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So in other words, whenever the enemy plants a seed in my or a thought in my mind saying that person didn't shouldn't have treated you like that. They shouldn't have talked to you like that. What in the world is going on? That's a negative thought. I need to grab a hold of that thought and say, you hold up right now. I'm going to think on something that's good. Amen. You grab a hold of that thought. You got to watch what goes through your head. Listen, just because you had a thought doesn't mean it originated with you. How many of you know the enemy can plant thoughts in your mind and he's he's putting gasoline on that fire all the time? You're not going to make it. You're going to drown. You're going to lie. You're going to die. You're going to you're going to it's you're a failure. It's not going to work. And he throws these thoughts at you like crazy. And we just sit there and we just say, oh, yeah, you're right. I might not make it. Oh, you're right. I might die. And he throws these thoughts. Paul says, listen, don't. Listen to those thoughts. Grab a hold of them. Bring them into obedience to Christ. Say, no, I'm going to live and not die. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm blessed beyond measure. I'm washed with the blood. I'm filled with the spirit. I am more than a conqueror. Come on. Amen. And so listen, so learn to take your negative thoughts captive And use Philippians 4 as your thoughts filter. Is it lovely? Is it noble? Is it praiseworthy? If that thought doesn't fall in line, kick it out. Kick it out. Hit the the reject button on it. Amen? And you know what's going to happen? All of a sudden, you're going to start to have peace. See, when the enemy wants to take your peace, he'll start putting thoughts in your mind. When you learn to take... And he'll build a case. See, the way we get bitter... You see, he builds a case about somebody that did us wrong. It tells us about how many reasons why we shouldn't let that go. And he builds this fortress, this castle. And then once he's got this castle built, he can come live on the inside of you. See, people are afraid of demons and devils and all that. You know how the devil works? He works through our thought patterns. He can work right through our thought patterns and he can get us to go jump off the cliff. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so come on, Jesus said, be wiser than a serpent and gentle like a dove. Amen. 
All right, so listen. Every thought that doesn't fit Philippians 4.8, kick it out. Tip number four. We're, we're landing the plane now. Tip number four to living a life of peace is making peace with God. You got to make peace with God. Hey, listen, if you want the peace of God, you got to be at peace with God. See, first you make peace with God, then you get the peace of God. Does that make sense? See, listen, if I have some money in my pocket and you ain't right with me, I ain't giving you my money. If I got, y'all, y'all tracking with this? If I got pockets full of peace and you want my peace, well, you better get right with me and then you can have my peace, right? Well, listen, I want to bring your attention back to Philippians 4, verse 3, and he says, And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement, the rest of my co-workers. And look what it says there, whose names are written in the book of life. Hmm. Their names are written in the book of life. And then let's go on a little bit further. Verse four, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. And remember, the Lord is coming soon. Your names are in the book of life and the Lord is coming soon. Now, if you go over to Revelation chapter 20, the Bible talks about books that are open in the end. A judgment day. In fact, I want to take a moment to read it because it's so important. In Revelation 20, 12. And I saw the dead, the great, the small, standing before the throne. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now stop there for a moment. You mean everything I do is recorded in a book somewhere? I think that's what it's saying. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Wow. Verse 13. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. There's books with all our deeds, and then there's the book of life. As you read a little bit further, Revelation chapter 21 talks about heaven, the new Jerusalem. See, this earth as we know it, one day is going to be burned up. It's going to end. And just like Adam and Eve lost the paradise in the garden, God is bringing us back to that garden. And one day we're all going to be there, those of us that are following Christ. And you know what, saints of God, the only way you're going to get in there is your name has to be written in the book of life. And I want you to see Revelation 21, 22. I, I did not see a temple in the city. You can read it later. The whole chapter is about the new Jerusalem because the Lord, the God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no light there, no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Now listen, nothing impure will enter into it. Nor will anyone 
who does not, who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. To get to the New Jerusalem, your name has to be recorded in the book of life. And as you read about the book of life, those that surrender their life to God, those that say, you know what, I'm a sinner, I've broken God's laws, I, need, I know I need a Savior. And they open their hearts in faith and ask Jesus to forgive them. There is some great accounting systems in the heavenlies. And they say, oh, there goes, there goes that brother John right there. John Boudreaux. Their names are written in the books of life. And then he talks about something else. He talks about the Lord is coming soon. Do you know that? You know, most everybody knows that Jesus came, was crucified, died. He got put into the grave. He was resurrected out of the grave. And he went to tell his disciples what to do. And then he ascended into heaven. And the angels were standing there in the book of Acts. It talks about this. And they watched him as he ascended into heaven. And the angel said, hey, guys, what y'all doing? They said, well, Jesus just ascended into heaven. And he said, hey, he's going to descend just like you saw him ascend. The Bible talks about a second coming of Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, he says, Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep or died in him. According to the Lord's own words, we tell you that we who are still alive and who are left till the coming of the Lord, till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of an archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are, li- who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Encourage each other with these words. So listen. The question then is, when the trumpet sounds and the Lord descends and those that have died in Christ are resurrected, the resurrection of the dead and their their mortal bodies are going to put on immortality and their new bodies and their spirits are going to meet together and they're going to be with the Lord. And then those of us that are still here when the trumpet sounds, if you are serving Jesus, you're going to get caught up next. If the person you're standing next to is not, they're going to be left there. And then we're going to follow those that have been resurrected. And then we're going to follow them. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. And he's going to give us a straight shot into the new Jerusalem, into the new city where the streets are made of gold, where there's no suffering, no sorrow, no tears, no crying, no dying. Amen. No bells. Ain't none of that. And we're going to get, we're going to get to spend eternity with Jesus. Anybody want to go? Anybody want to go? Amen. Come on. Anybody want to be there? Come on. I want to be there. Amen. So listen, it comes back down to, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Would you stand with me? You know, the Bible says, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are born in a good enough family to deserve heaven. Right? All of us... 
need salvation. All of us need our sins covered. All of us need to be saved. And whenever we recognize our need for a Savior, and we have faith to believe that Jesus can forgive our sins, and we reach out in faith and grab a hold of salvation through prayer, all of a sudden, Jesus cleanses us, erase every wrong we've ever done. And there are angels that are watching everything. In fact, the Bible says whenever that happens, heaven stops. And they begin to throw a party. They begin to rejoice. And they give glory to God. And their names then are written in the Lamb's book of life. The last thing you want to do is die. Or be around when the trumpet sounds. And not have your book, your name written in the book of life. So would you bow your head with me for a moment. If you're here today and you say, Todd... I'm not sure my name is written in the books of life, the book of life. But I want to know for sure if you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins. It's more than going to church. It's by faith. It's by your own will, responding to the gospel, responding to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to be saved. Whenever your trumpet sounds, I don't want to be left out. If that's you today and you say, I need prayer for salvation, just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I see your hand. Anybody else? Ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm not sure. There you go. I'm not sure. My name is in that book. I want to make sure. Raise your hand. Just come on right here. Right here. Right now. Listen, if you can't stand up for Jesus in this church, you'll never do it out there. Amen. Come on. Just raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Raise both hands, in fact, and say, put my name, Lord. Put my name on that book. I believe that you died. I believe that you died for my sins. Listen, all of you that have your hands raised, come on, look up here at me. This is the greatest day of your life. This is the greatest moment of your life. This This is where peace comes into your life. Now, all of you that have your hands raised, just slip right out of the pew and come right down. Just come on right there, right now. Just come, come right here to the altar. Come on down. Amen. Amen. Come on down. This is your day of salvation. This is your day. Oh, yes. Come on. Let's give God praise. Come on. Heaven is throwing a party. Heaven is getting, it's going ballistic right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. God, we love you. We bless you. We adore you. This is the reason Jesus died. This is the reason Jesus gave his life right here. Is that we could, none of us would have to spend eternity separated from God. But we could all be saved, be born again. Would you just do me a favor and just reverently and respectfully just bow your head with me right now. We're in the presence of Almighty God who has the ability to determine our eternity. And we're reverencing Him right now. And we're acknowledging our need for a Savior. We're acknowledging our need for our sins to be forgiven. I want you to pray this prayer with me as genuinely and sincerely as you can. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've broken your laws. And I don't deserve heaven. Lord, I believe you're merciful. Lord, I believe you forgive. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to wash my sins away. 
I'm asking you to cleanse my heart. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you. I choose to give my heart to you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with your power. Give me the grace, Lord, to live for you. Jesus, would you write my name on the book of life? I want to be included. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me and forgiving me. Jesus' name. Now listen, while you have your heads bowed, Jesus forgives every sin that you've ever committed, no matter how small, no matter how great. Right now, as you've just asked Jesus to forgive you, He's got this great big old eraser. He's just erasing your past. He's cleansing your past. So all those wrongs that you've ever done since you've been a child, He's erasing from your life. Now I want you to just let God's peace come on your life right now. Just take a deep breath and just let go and just say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. And just let God's peace just come on you right now. Father, thank you for filling everyone that is here, God, with your amazing, amazing peace. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray over them. Listen, hey, don't you know that their life has just changed this morning? Amen. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your hand of grace, your hand of blessing. God, we pray that you break every oppression off of them, all fear, all worry. Uh, We ask you to liberate them, Lord, from all the plans and the tactics of the evil one. Lord, set them free today through the power of your spirit. And God, I pray that you fill their hearts with God's amazing peace right now. Lord, let the Prince of Peace rule in their life. And Lord, let them sleep like they've never slept before starting tonight. God, thank you for touching them and filling them and empowering them with your grace today. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen and amen.